Welcome to Genesis chapter 19 Holy Bible Study. This time we are going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. We're also going to talk about Abraham's nephew Lot and how he got caught up in the society of Sodom and how the Lord rescued him out of it and why the Lord rescued him out of it before it was too late. And how we also, before it's too late, can be rescued out of this modern Sodom and Gomorrah we live in. As long as we put our hope, faith, and trust in the Lord, in His ways, in His commandments, in His promises, and of course, His return. I'm going to talk about all of that today. Don't miss a minute. God bless y'all. Godspeed. Now, verse 1 of chapter 19. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. First thing you want to notice here is where Lot was. It says he sat in the gate of Sodom. Now, most unlearned Bible students who are new to the Holy Bible and who don't know Bible history or what it was like in biblical times, whenever it would say, in the gate of a city in the Old Testament, that would be referring to the place of the government, to the place where the councilmen and, as we would know today, congressmen and mayors and judges would be. So Lot not only lived an extremely sinful city, but he was actually a leader, a government leader in that sinful city. So you see how far away from the Lord he had to fall when him and Abraham split up. Because not only did he dwell in that city, but he actually became a very big part of it. He became a very influential part of it. Which you think would be a good thing, but with how exceedingly sinful Sodom and Gomorrah were, apparently he, like I said earlier, was one of the people that was going along to get along. He was being more and more influenced by the culture around him, and was losing sight of the culture that he had learned being around godly Abraham. And, you know, you can't really fault Lot for that, because a majority of Christians and Jews today do the same exact thing as Lot. What I mean by that is, the more the culture shifts away from the Word of God, it becomes so... In your face, it becomes so regular, it becomes so natural, that eventually we become numb to the godlessness that's going on around us. What I mean by that is, today I saw a, another poll saying that same-sex marriage now is approved of by over 70 percent of the nation now apparently supposedly 
this nation is supposed to be over 80% Christian. So what does that say? What that means is, is that a majority of believers today who claim to believe the same word of God that we're studying, they are knowingly, willingly going against God's word because it's very clear, Old Testament and New, that homosexuality, homosexual lifestyles and relationships are sin in the eyes of God. They are abomination in the eyes of God. You can't get around it. And we're going to talk about that in this study today. So they know that. Most of them should know that if they have any basic knowledge of the Word of God. And yet they flat out reject the Word of God in favor of the society and the mainstream opinion of a godless society. And society has brainwashed them so much to think that the society is more right than God. That God himself of the Old Testament was a cruel judgmental God and that surely by now in the year 2020 he would have to evolve to our way of liberal thinking our progressive way of thinking in a society truth is he doesn't evolve we as I've said in my books need to evolve towards him not the other way around God is perfect in every way so if he says something is sinful it's for a reason it's because it will hurt us in some way it will make us sick in some way. It will cause disease in some way. It will bring curses upon our life in some way. He knows. That's why he laid out a list. I believe there's 613 of them in the Bible. He said, you do these things, there's sin in my sight, and sin eventually leads to death. And until it leads to death, it brings curses upon you. That's why Lord Jesus had to hang on the cross when he died for our sins. Because it says in the Holy Bible, Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. So he bore the curse of our sins when he hung on the wood of the cross. So God said, if you do these 613 things, any of them, you will bring a curse upon yourself. It's not God cursing you, you're cursing yourself. Because he said these things are wrong. And he also said in the Holy Bible, these things are right. If you do these things... You will be just, you will be righteous, you will be blessed. But then he said, if you do these things, you will be wicked, you will be evil, you will be cursed. And yet society today says, well, some of God's laws, like don't murder, don't steal, don't commit incest, don't cheat, don't lie, don't gossip, those are those are good things. We'll keep those things. But, eh... Homosexuality, come on, it's the year 2020. Love is love. Everybody should be able to love who they want. Eventually, I mean, God condemned bestiality, not sleeping with animals. So, how long until love is love with animals? As disgusting as it sounds, two, three decades ago, homosexuality was viewed just as disgusting. And to those of you listening to this who may wrestle with homosexual lusts and temptations or may, who may be homosexuals, understand I'm not singling you out. It's just this chapter is going to talk a lot about the sin that you're in. But there are a lot of chapters that talk about the sins I'm in, the sins others are in. 
whether those be lusts of the eyes, lusts of the flesh, whether people steal, knowingly or unknowingly, whether they cheat, whether they lie, whether they gossip, which we've all done and all do, those things are condemned in the Holy Bible. The difference between me and a homosexual these days is that I acknowledge my sins. Homosexuals today are not acknowledging their sins. They're not repenting nightly before God, saying, God, forgive me. I'm struggling with this. I'm a sinner. Until I get better, until I get right with you and flee from this sin once and for all, be patient with me. Be merciful toward me. Forgive me, God. Instead of doing that, they're out in the streets with the rainbow flags, which is a slap in the face of God, as I mentioned in the flood chapters. The sign of his covenant with mankind, of his mercy towards mankind, and you're using it to flaunt your sins in the face of God, it's not wise. But again, you're out in the streets having parades, celebrating your sin. And another thing I point out in my books, answer me, homosexuals, what other sin in America or in the world is celebrated today? I'll wait. You can email me if you can name one. Do we celebrate theft? Do we celebrate cheating? Do we celebrate lying? Do we celebrate pedophilia? Do we celebrate bestiality? Do we celebrate adultery? Do we celebrate divorce? No. We don't celebrate any of these things. They're committed daily. Sins are committed daily, but they're not celebrated. And we're going to find... The exact same way you celebrate your sins today is the exact same way these people of Sodom and Gomorrah acted. It was normal to them, it was natural, and unfortunately it became natural to Lot, like it does to a lot of Christians today, and Jews. They want to just say, okay, well, the God of the Old Testament, he's either evolved, or he's just not like that anymore since Jesus came along. It's not true. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, I am God. I do not change. And God is a God who does not lie. He's not a man who lies. He's God. He's truthful and honest at all times, whether we like it or not. So if he says, I don't change, I don't know why so many Christians and Jews today think he has evolved, think his mind has changed, it hasn't. So before I go further off on uh, a rant here, let's just get into the chapter. So Lot was sitting in the gate. He became a leader, a governmental leader in Sodom. And when he saw the men or the angels come to meet him, he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Now there are some Bible teachers who will say that that was just the custom back then. They would just bow to any strangers but I, I doubt that um, so I believe that he recognized these were not ordinary men I believe that he recognized they were angels um, from being his time around Abraham also divine beings stick out they stand out for instance when Lord Jesus and the angels were coming to Abraham and he saw them coming he did the same thing. He fell to his face, bowed to the ground, and he, he ran. He was hustling to, to do everything he could to bless them in any way he could because he knew it was his God coming to him and the angels. It was just not regular old strangers passing through. 
So I believe Lot recognized whether they were beaming, whether they were just perfect looking, um, as opposed to other humans in the area. Lot recognized they were angels. And so he did what any man who deep down fears God would do, and he showed respect and honor to those angels. Now people will say, oh, you're saying Lot feared God. I say deep down, because later on in the Holy Bible, we do read, I believe it's in Peter, that Lot is called a righteous man. And that's why he was saved from Sodom and Gomorrah and wasn't destroyed with it. A lot of that has to do with the influence of Abraham on him. So again, deep down, a lot of Christians, a lot of believers know what's right. They truly love God and want to live for God. But once they get out into the city amidst the ungodly liberal sinners who laugh at God and mock God and go to these liberal colleges who preach that God's dead and that it was all just a bunch of fables and fairy tales and they say, we believe science, we don't believe the Bible and and we believe in climate change, we don't believe God controls the weather. We believe in equality for all, meaning that homosexual men and leather and chaps should be able to adopt a seven-year-old prepubescent boy there's nothing wrong with that. Honestly, Lot was like that. He was like them, but deep down he had the influence of Abraham. So whenever he was confronted with godly things, he recognized them and he would respect them and honor them, which I hope and pray a lot of you would do when you're confronted with the word of God or if you're in a church or if you're in a group of people and they start mocking God and blaspheming God even if you aren't a Bible thumper like me I would hope that you would stand up and say that's God you're talking about you know we may be in a society where anything goes but when you start mocking God and blaspheming God and cursing God you're on your own I'm not standing with you guys on that one I'm not backing you guys on that like with all this new garbage rap music and um, this metal music out there, Marilyn Manson and the rest, where they're just blaspheming God. So back in the days, yes, there was a lot of cussing and rapping and rock, and there was a lot of sinful things going on, but it was very few and far between where you'd find an artist who actually willingly blasphemed and cursed God in their lyrics and even praised Satan, Lucifer. You find that more often than not in today's music that the youth listen to. And then we wonder why they're so far off from God. And I'm not really blaming the youth on that. It's the parents who are letting them listen to the garbage. Honestly, I mean, I hear some of the stuff the kids play at work and I turn it off half the time. I say, I don't mind. They, the rapper can cuss all day long. But the minute they start blaspheming God or praising Satan, that music is getting shut down. Hate me for it. Tell me I'm not cool for it. I could care less. To me, if you don't love God, you're not cool. Period. I don't care what the world says. Alright, so this is just verse 1. and I've already gone off on a whole big rant. So I'm going to try and zip through a lot of the other verses without going into too much teaching that's unnecessary. So, long story short, Lot was a leader. Um, He was in it deep in Sodom and Gomorrah. He was had the sin going on all around him and I'm sure he was committing some sin himself 
But when the angel showed up, he recognized them as holy, as divine, as of God. And the old ways he knew when he used to run with Abraham started to come back into his mind. And he bowed himself to these angels. And verse 2 he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night. And wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all of the night. Now, they as angels knew, we can abide in the street. Anybody messes with us, they're done. I mean, I believe it's in the book of Joshua and Ezekiel and other places, in the book of Revelation even. Um, angels are extremely powerful. And they, are, more often than not, are sent to reap out God's judgment. Like they do all throughout the book of Revelation. But they, one angel, and I want to say it was in the book of Joshua off the top of my head. I'm not for certain right now. But one angel took out thousands of men of an army. One. So two here, uh, the whole city, obviously, would be done. So the angels know nobody's messing with us. They can try, but they're not going to get far. So they were like, no, we're going to abide in the street. We want to actually see if what the cry of this city is coming up to God about is true. If the abominable sins that God is hearing is going on down here are really going on. We want to see firsthand. <clears throat> and uh, Lot pressed by them greatly. And they turned in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Now when it says he pressed upon them greatly, it's not physically. It would be like, in today, like when you're pressing somebody to do something. Oh, you really need to do this. It's, it's, there's no way around it. If you don't do this, you know, it won't be good. You have to do this. You have to do, you're pressing them. You're not stopping until they agree with you, or they go along with you. That's what it means here. Lot was pressing them. Greatly. So finally they agreed and they went into his house. But before they lay down, the men of the city, get it, not the people of the city, the men, M-E-N, of the city, that's a key word, men of the city. Even the men of Sodom compassed the house. They surrounded the house round about, both old and young. All the people from every quarter. So basically Every man in the city of Sodom had surrounded Lot's house. Why? Why are they doing this? Would they do this whenever strangers enter into town? You're going to find out why they did this in a second. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in unto you this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. That we may know them. Know them. Get that. The definition for know here and in other places of the Holy Bible means to lay with, to have sexual relationships with. How do I know that? You go to the New Testament. When it's talking about the birth of Jesus and the virgin birth of Mary. And it says... Until Jesus was born, Mary knew not 
Joseph, she knew him not. She did not know him. Obviously, it's not the know in the sense we would understand it today. Because, hold on. We read earlier in those chapters of Matthew and Luke and elsewhere that Joseph was communing with Mary, that he had promote, proposed to Mary, that he was going to marry Mary. So he obviously knew her. She obviously knew him. So it's not no in that sense of the word. It's the no that means sexual relations. That's what the Hebrew word means. So now in that context, let's read that verse again. They called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men, again, men, the angels were men, clear as day, which came into you this night? Bring them out unto us, all the men of the city, that we may lay with them, have sexual relations with them. That's where we get the word sodomite from. Sodom. Because the whole city was filled with homosexual men. And unfortunately, Lot was living around that. Verse 6, And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him. So now he's going out to try and appease them. He said, Look, I pray you, brethren, and see, the fact that he calls them brethren means that he's like a Christian today that's supporting gay marriage and that's marching in LGBT pride parades. He was in it. He was in the sin with them. He might not have been a homosexual. He might not have been committing it. But I tell people today, if you celebrate and you condone sin and say God's alright with it when he's not, you may be in just as big a trouble as the sinner who's in the sin who's not repenting of it. Because you're not warning them saying that sin, if you don't repent of it, is going to send you to hell. If you don't get washed in Christ's blood and forgiven of that sin, you're going to go to hell. By not saying that to them by not warning them that it's going to separate them from God and get them to hell someday you are just as bad in their sight and guilty of it as they are and Paul says so much in Romans chapter 1 I believe where he's talking about how unnatural same sex relationships are he says not only have some of you know that this sin is wrong and that it leads to death, but you take pleasure in the sin and in those who do the sin. So all those Christians who think it's fun to go to a party with drag queens and, and men in drag dancing around in front of children and stuff saying, well, this is just the way it is. You're 2020, you know, everybody's the way they are, you know. They can live the way they want to live, and I'll just live my little Christian life, but, you know, that's between them and God. You're in it, as much as Lot was. Luckily, he was delivered out of it, for Abraham's sake, for the most part. Unless you know somebody as close to God as Abraham, you better be very careful with being in it with the homosexuals, because if you don't have an Abraham, I'm telling you, more than likely, if you're approving a gay marriage, you're approving of other sins that God's against. And you may not be as Christian as you think. You may not be as saved as you think. And you may not be delivered when that tribulation hour begins. You may not be taken up in that rapture. 
as much as you think you will be. Lot was delivered for Abraham's sake, for a righteous man of God's sake who knew God, who walked with God. So unless you got a loved one who does that, obviously, if you're in it with the homosexual community, the way you're living is not enough. You will more than likely be left behind. That's just a forewarning to all of you to get right with God. You can call yourself a Christian and a Jew all day long, but if you're justifying and condoning what his word says is wrong, what his word says grieves his heart, which his word says makes him angry, makes him sick, makes God nauseated, if you're for that, what he's against then you just may not be as saved as you think. So get right with God, friends. Get in His Word. Find what He loves and what He hates. Find what He says is righteous and what He says is wicked. Because obviously there are too many people that are not living black and white these days. They're living in a gray area. And I've said in my books, there's no on the fence with God. You cannot straddle the fence. One way or the other, your pants are going to rip and you're going to fall. But when you're on the side of God, you don't fall. He upholds you. And when you're in the world, you're already fallen. So it doesn't matter. Get right with God. Get in His Word. Believe His Word over man, over trendy liberal opinions, over the mainstream opinion. Because, friends, you may say, oh, but a majority of the world, a majority of Christians are cool with gay marriage now. Or they're cool with this or that now. We're not meant to follow a majority of Christians. We're meant to follow Christ. We are not meant to follow a godless world. The Bible tells us this world is under the influence of the devil. Ever since Adam ceded control of this world over to the devil in the garden, it's been under his watch, under his influence, under his control. And you want to doubt me on that? Go to Matthew. I believe it's chapter 4, I want to say. Not for certain, but go to Matthew and read the narrative of Jesus when he is tempted by Satan and he's up on the mountain and they're overlooking all the cities of Israel and all the cities of the Middle East. And Satan said, I will give all of these cities, all of these nations to you if you will only bow down and worship me. Jesus didn't question that he had ownership of all that land, of all those nations. Why? Because Jesus knew that it was his world. Even though God created it, when man fell and ceded control of the earth over to Satan, he never lost it. God will get control of the earth back in the end after Antichrist and Satan and the false prophet are thrown in the bottomless pit forever. Then Jesus will rule as Lord of Lords and King of Kings over the whole earth. And Yahweh God will come down from the third heaven and will dwell on earth from the new Jerusalem forever. But until then, God is in heaven. Yes, he's the creator of the universe, the creator of all. But Satan is the ruler of this world. And Jesus again in the New Testament said, The ruler of this world is coming who has nothing in me. Now, if he was speaking of his Father in heaven, whom Jesus said many times in the New Testament was in him 
and with him, then why all of a sudden would he say the ruler of the world is not in him? Because he was referring to Satan. St. Paul has other examples where he says the prince of the power of the air. He also calls him the ruler of this earth. So, friends, if you're with the world, if you're with the majority of the world, and you think God's okay with that because, oh, God wouldn't wipe us all out, you're going to find in this chapter of Genesis, he will very quickly wipe you all out. Majority means nothing to him. If anything, God cares about the minority because there's very few today who actually believe his word. Very few. And if you'll notice, in every situation when there was a judgment on a large area, whether it had been the whole world with Noah, or whether it had been these cities with Lot, God didn't deliver very many people. In Noah's day, the whole earth was judged, and only eight, eight, less than ten, eight people were saved and found righteous. In this chapter, Lot and his family, less than five, were found worthy to escape cities that are filled with tens of thousands of people. So you're going to tell me, I don't care how Christian people say they are, if they're going against God's word, God's word, and they're living wickedly, and they're justifying and taking pleasure in and celebrating what God calls abomination and sin, I'm sorry, majority means nothing to God. He's more worried about the righteous minority. And that's why, unfortunately, I fear that a very few believers out of billions are going to be raptured. I hope I'm wrong, but friends, there are very few true Bible believers today. And you know that by how persecuted and mocked and laughed at, and ridiculed, and shunned those who stand on the Bible are today. I'm all for it. I welcome it. I say I would much rather stand with God and be judged by the world than to be judged by God standing with the world. Truer words could not be smoked by a believer today. All right. Again, I'm getting way too far off. Let's go back. Um... So, the men of the city wanted to sleep with and have sex with these angels. And Lot went out, tried to plead with them. <clears throat> he said, My brethren, do not do so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters, which I have not, um, which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do you to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. So here you get it. This is the context. A lot of people will say, oh, well, the translation for no and Genesis chapter 19, it doesn't mean what all the Bible scholars and theologians are telling you it means. It doesn't mean sexual. It just means to know in a, in a um, you know, mindful way, just, just to be friendly with. They just, they just want to get to know you. You actually have some homosexual friendly churches that teach that. When it's obviously so clear, it's not what it's about. But here, this is the context. He's saying, I have two daughters which have not known man. 
So here now, they're in their teens, and they haven't known a man. They've never seen a man. They've never met a man. They've never spoken with a man as long as they've lived. Their father's a man. I'm sure they have uncles, grandfathers, and yet they've never known a man. Well, if if that's, you know, the language that the pro-homosexual churches are using, then that's what it means. Now, does that make sense? Or does it make more sense that his two daughters have never had sexual relations with men? So he figures, well, if I give my daughters to these men of the city to appease them, they will not rape these angels. Why would Lot prevent the men of the city from getting to know the angels? Just get to know them, talk with them, sit with them, chat with them. Why is that such a big deal? Because that's not what it means. It means sexual relations, and here in this verse about his daughters, it proves it. Now, was Lot wrong here? Heck yeah. Uh, But he was afraid that these angels of God were going to be raped by the men of the city. He was desperate, so he offered up his own daughters to be raped. Obviously wrong. And we're going to find there is going to be consequences for that, that decision. Uh, with the daughters later on here. Because they are obviously going to do some very bad things, simple things. But when you have a dad that's willing to just throw you out to get raped in the streets, I mean, you know, how righteous and godly of women are you going to be? Alright, so he's saying, these men came under the shadow of my roof, um, you know, to dwell here. And to meet with me, and to speak with me, they are guests in my home. Do not do so wickedly to them. Take my daughters instead. Leave these men alone. Verse 9, though, and they said, the men of Sodom, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came into sojourn, referring to Lot, and he will needs be a judge? Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. All right, does that sound familiar? Homosexuals are saying to a believer in God, This man is judging us. Stop judging. So they were using the same exact language all the way back in the first book of the Holy Bible. The generation of Abraham's day, they were using the same exact language as the homosexuals of today use, of the LGBT pride movement. Don't judge us, you Bible believers. Jesus said, don't judge. And I explain in my books and in my articles why that's out of context. Jesus said, if you judge, judge righteously. Meaning by the word of God. And also, if you're laden with sin, don't go around judging everybody else. Especially if you're an unrepentant sinner, which there are a lot of. But he didn't mean don't judge at all. Because if you don't judge someone's actions and their sins, they're going to go on committing them and they're going to end up in hell. And Jesus and the Father in heaven will that all would be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. So yeah, Jesus was okay with judging. But you wouldn't know that today by the LGBT pride movement because all they say, the minute you say, read Leviticus 18, read Romans chapter 1, Read Revelation 21-22. Jesus even mentioned it. 
that homosexuality is a sin. You need to repent of it. You need to get right with God. They're like, don't be a judge of us. It's exactly what the homosexuals are saying here in Sodom to Lot. This one wants to be a judge of us. So now they said, you think you're getting off easy. We don't want your daughters. Now we're going to deal with you worse than we were going to deal with them. So now they're going to rape Lot. This man they've known for years. That's how sick and perverted these people were. So if anybody ever says, oh, God was such a mean God judging Sodom and Gomorrah. You have no idea how sick and wicked and perverted these men of this city were. And if you would be comfortable having them live next door to you and you have a wife and daughters or a young son, prepubescent son, and you have all these wicked, abominable, perverted homosexuals looking to rape people living next door to you, and you're okay with, you know, living with your door unlocked and going away to work for hours, if you're fine with that, then yeah, then I guess you can call out God and say, wow, God's really a mean God for doing that. But if you're not okay with that, then God was right in doing it. He said, if I find ten righteous, I won't wipe out the city. There were not even ten righteous in these cities of thousands. All right, but the men put forth their hand. The men here now are the angels. And they pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. Now, the King James says shut to the door. That's different language for a different time. So it's not a misprint. But obviously, in our day and age, it should read shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Again, you want to mess with God's angels? Not a good idea. So they smote all of the men of the city blind. And the men said unto Lot, Have you here any besides? Son-in-law, and your sons, and your daughters, and whatsoever else you have in the city. Bring them, your loved ones, out of this place. Now see, I love that because his son-in-laws and his daughters, to my knowledge, didn't know Abraham that well. Lot was the only one who was connected to Abraham. He was his nephew. So he was coming from that righteous line of men. So even though Lot may have not been wholly righteous per se, for Abraham's sake, he was viewed as righteous because he came from that righteous line. And he had that righteous blood. The others, while they may have the blood of Lot, Lot was, again, living in Sodom and Gomorrah. So he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a chosen man of God like Abraham was. So, what I'm getting at here is, it says it also in the New Testament, that if you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. You and your household. That's always just been so cool to me because it's like, you may have a mother or a father who may believe but they may be kind of one foot in the world and one foot out of it. And you so desperately want them to go to heaven. You so desperately want them to be there with you when it's all said and done. But at the end of the day, some people get worried and say, well, they say they're Christians, but they're kind of, they're living like the world sometimes. And I'm worried about them. I don't really think they're going. I believe that if there is a believer like an Abraham and you walk with God daily, you speak with God daily, you pray to God, you repent of your sins, you ask to get washed in the blood of Jesus daily 
and you know God and Lord Jesus intimately in their spirit, intimately. I believe that God, just like for the sake of Abraham, he saved Lot out of the destruction of the city, so too I believe your loved ones whom you care deeply about in your household, whether it be mother, father, children, I believe if you're close enough to God, for your sake, he will make sure that by the time they leave this earth, they will be saved. You and your household, and that's what we see here back in Genesis. Whoever you got in this place, your family, your loved ones, gather them together, because we're about to reap out some destruction. And let's see here. I left off in verse 13. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. So his sons-in-laws thought he was joking, simply for the fact that Yes, when he was with Abraham, he was a godly man. But now that he's in Sodom, he's not thumping a Torah. He's not preaching God's word. He does not appear to be a holy, righteous man of God. So even though he knows who God is and he knows God, he was living in the carnal flesh. He was living in a simple city like the sinners. So the sons-in-laws didn't take him seriously. They're like, oh, you're a man of God now? You're saved now? You're a preacher man now? Yeah, God's going to destroy this place all of a sudden? So they they thought he was mocking. They didn't take him seriously. So they, unfortunately, are not going to be getting out of there. Verse 15, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, meaning they, they rushed him, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters which are here, lest you be consumed in the iniquity which is the sin of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him outside the city. See that right there. If Lot was a man of God like Abraham, it would say, and the Lord being gracious to him and the Lord being faithful to him. But we find that it was for Abraham's sake that he was delivered because it says the Lord being merciful unto him. The Lord knew he was a sinner. The Lord knew he was living among sinners. And he may even improve their sins. But for Abraham's sake, God was merciful toward Lot and brought him and his family out of the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for your life. Look not behind you, neither stay you in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest you be consumed. Tell you, Angels are speaking on behalf of God. They're known as the messengers of God. So anything an angel says, you better listen. And we're going to find that Lot's wife did not listen. Angel was clear. He didn't give them that many commands. He said, escape for your life. Look not behind you. Do not stay in the plain. Escape to the mountain. Four simple commands. And Lot's wife couldn't even obey all of those. Because remember, he said, Look not behind you. Verse 18, And Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord. Behold now, your servant has found grace in your sight, and you have magnified your mercy, 
which you have showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest someone evil take me and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape there. Is it not a little one, and my soul shall live? The angel said unto him, See, I have accepted you concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which you have spoken. Hasten you, escape there, for I cannot do anything till you become there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. And the Hebrew, the name Zor means little, so that makes sense. Verse 23, the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zor. Then the Lord, get it, then, then, so after the righteous, again, Lot wasn't righteous, but in this example, he's also in the New Testament referred to as an example of a righteous man in a wicked city. After the righteous was delivered, then God's judgment came down. The angel just said, I cannot do anything until you, God's guy, are taken out. What happened with Noah? He had to be in the ark before the judgment could come down. It's going to be the same in the end, friends. So those who think we're going through the Great Tribulation are not reading the same Holy Bible I am. Before God's judgment can come down, the righteous have to be taken out. Hence, the rapture. That's 1 Thessalonians 4.16, I believe. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife, Lot's wife, looked back from behind him exactly what the angel told her not to do and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. So Abraham now, the next morning after he had that conversation with God the night before, when the two angels went toward Sodom, he probably went to bed in a good mood saying, thank God, I know lots over there, but now God's not going to destroy it because God just told me if he even finds only ten righteous in the city, he won't destroy it. And then Abraham what wakes up to see smoke coming from Sodom and Gomorrah in the plain. Now he's like, oh no. You mean to tell me there wasn't even ten righteous in that city of tens of thousands? And now, so I'm sure now he's worried about Lot. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. I remember teaching on this in another Holy Bible study earlier on, during the flood narrative. If you remember when it said, And God remembered Noah. I explained that the word remember doesn't mean always what we think it means today. It didn't mean that God had forgot about Noah by any means. It just means that it had come time for God to do something for Noah, to favor Noah. And that's what it means here. God didn't forget Abraham. He just talked with him the night before. So the fact that God remembered Abraham, it meant that he's getting ready to do something favorable toward Abraham. 
And what that favorable thing was, was that he rescued Lot out of the midst of Sodom and Gomorrah when he overthrew the cities there. Verse 30, And Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zor, and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. Now, we don't know off the top of my head why he left Zor. He was afraid to dwell there for some reason. I don't know if the people there, he had problems with them, or if they were just like the sinners that he was living among in Sodom and Gomorrah, so he feared that that place was going to be judged next. I don't know. But either way, the place he asked not to go in the first place, when the angel wanted him to go run off to a cave somewhere, now he's doing it. Now he's dwelling in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come in unto us obviously means have sexual relations. So she said, Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. So the daughter went, had sex with her father, while he was drunk and asleep. But Lot had no idea about it. So Lot wasn't in the wrong here. But we're going to find that the offspring of these two daughters is going to be cursed in God's eyes and they're going to be a major thorn in the side of the righteous children of God, Israel, and that they are going to receive great judgments later on in the Bible, all stemming back to this sin of the daughters of Lot. So don't think that God here is justifying incest because you're going to find throughout the Holy Bible if you follow the story of the Moabites and the Ammonites, they are judged by God numerous times throughout the Holy Bible. And it all stems back to the original sin of the two daughters here. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I, I lay yesternight, last night, with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go you in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. So the main reason they were doing this is not because they were perverted. It's not because they had, you know, some kind of insexual lusts and desires going on. It's because there were no other men around. And their husbands, if you remember, stayed behind in Sodom and Gomorrah and got destroyed with it. Because they thought Lot was joking. So they figure, how are we ever going to keep our father's line going if we don't have men to have sexual relations with? So... Their eyes, the only man around at their young age was their dad, so they picked him. Obviously, in our eyes today, wrong, but, you know, if you go all the way back then, the whole city you were living in just got wiped out, and you're alone with your dad in the cave, and you're wondering how you're going to have children, I mean, you could see how they could have this idea. Probably been better had they not followed through on it, but, again, God's not... Approving incest by any means, it's a sin. You're going to find out it's a sin because they get judged for it. And in the book of Exodus, God says, you shall not commit incest. So we know that. All right, and let's see here. Verse 36, I believe, is where I left off at. The, both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. And the firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab. 
The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger, she also bare a son and called his name Banami. The same is the father of the children of Ammon, Ammon unto this day. So again, we're going to read a lot about the Moabites and the Ammonites in the Old Testament. And they are never mentioned in a good light. Does that mean that God didn't like the daughters of Lot? Not by any means. They made mistakes. They sinned like all sinners do. But because of the nature of their sin, which is something God condemns in the next book of the Holy Bible, he is a just judge and just God has to reap out judgment. And we're going to find that the Moabites and the Ammonites are the recipients of that judgment. Uh, sorry this was such a long study, but it was a long chapter. There was a lot to cover. I hope I covered it all. And at the end of the day, friends, if you're homosexual and this chapter scared you, I hope it scares you to salvation. Just as I used to be the worst sinner on the block, I was on a highway to hell. Then I had experience with the Lord, which I'd say put the fear of God in me to see that he was real and that his book is real. And I slowly but surely changed my way of living to become the man that I am today. It took me a decade to do the complete 180 that I've done. So no friends, you're never too far from the Lord to be saved. If he can save me, he can save anybody. Like St. Paul said, Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. I was the chief. Ask anybody that knew me 15, 20 years ago. They will say, there is no way this guy is preaching God's word today. There's no way. They'd never believe you. So friends, cry out to God. Pray for his mercy. Pray for his help to flee from the sin you're in and to get right with him and stay in his word. The more you stay in his word, the more the Holy Spirit will draw near to you and fill you. And pray each night that God would wash you and cleanse you in the sinless blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And that in doing so, the comforter would come from heaven, would guide you in all truth, would lead you away from all lust and temptation. As I said earlier, if you walk in the spirit, you will not give heed to nor fulfill the desires of the flesh. Does that mean you're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. In the summertime, single guys like me, you can't go outside of the house half the time because girls are walking around half naked. We're in the sinful flesh as long as we live on this earth. So we're not going to be perfect. We're going to have lust and temptation. The question is, do you act on it? Do you act on it? So repent of it. Ask God's forgiveness for it. Ask his son to save you and wash you in his sinless blood because he died for your sins of homosexuality or lust or temptation or whatever else you're committing. Ask to be filled with his spirit and be reconciled unto our God and Father in heaven forevermore from this day forth, that you may never, ever be destroyed along with the sinful world when God's judgments come down in the great tribulation. Pray that you may be counted worthy like Lot to escape all these things that are going to come upon the earth. And I pray for you, and I pray it in Jesus Christ's most holy name. That'll do it for this week. Next time, Genesis chapter 20, we jump back into the story of Abraham and his wife Sarah. So tune in 
And until next time, God bless y'all.